we'll be sure to cut those old jokes off of the uh, the internet. We won't let those go out. I love these guys. You don't like to bend over either. Okay, there you go. <laughs> okay, very good. Uh, they know I love them. I'm teasing with them, you know. Praise God. I see. Where's John not? Is he around here? Where's he at? How old are you? No, you don't have to say. What are you? About 95, aren't you? Your wife is 30, right? There you go. Okay. Praise God. All right. Now you can start the, the CD, all right? Acts, the eighth chapter. I had to pick on John. I'm an equal opportunity picker on her, you know. So I pick on these people. You can have fun, can't you? Amen. But we're just joking. These guys are good guys, and I don't really know how old they are. But, you know, they've been serving the Lord a long time. And you can look at these guys like, uh, like uh, Bob Schmidt back there. You won't find you a more steady man than him. Look at him. He's a good example. And Dale, you won't find a finer man of God than him. Look at him. He's a good example. Russ Groom, the same way. Uh, John Knott back there. I don't know if I'd go so far as to... No, I'm, I'm teasing with him. He's a fine man. Got a good family, him and his wife. They're just pillars in the church. Good people. So I love all these guys. They're really, really good. Have you found Acts, the eighth chapter yet? You found it? All right. Um, you know, Philip, he, was, he started out waiting tables, didn't he? And uh, he was full of the Holy Spirit and, 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 and wisdom and all of that. And, and uh, they needed people to serve tables. And so he was willing to serve tables and along with six other guys. And he did that faithfully for however long. And then in the process of time, the Lord promoted him and made an evangelist out of him. And he'd been preaching, I think, down in the city of Samaria. They had a citywide revival going on. And, and many good things were happening. And then I believe an angel appeared to him and said, go out into the desert. And, and minister out there. So he goes out in, into the desert, and there's one fellow there sitting in a chariot. Remember, it was an Ethiopian eunuch. Do you remember that? And the Spirit of God said to Philip, Go overtake the chariot. So he ran, overtook the chariot. And when he got up in the chariot, he saw that this, this eunuch was reading from the book of Isaiah, and he needed somebody to help him understand what he was reading. And so Philip, in verse 35, notice Acts 8:35. Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture... Preach Jesus to him. Philip opened his mouth, beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. He was in the book of Isaiah, reading Isaiah 53 as we would know it, where, you know, the, about the passion of Jesus, you know. And, uh, and, and notice verse 36, they went down the road, they came to some water. They came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now verse 37 is, is not in some Bible versions. In some versions it is. Depending on how the translators looked at it. The King James, New King James has verse 37 in. But even if you took verse 37 out as some have done you still have uh, an overwhelming number of scriptures that we could use to show that verse 37 is good and, and it's right. And what I mean by that is, is that before you should be water baptized, you should first believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You understand that? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. 
you may be what? Be water baptized. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. They went down into the water. And he baptized him. Immersed him. See, water baptism, if you study it out, that some people will sprinkle, some people will pour, and some people will take you under the water. What's the Bible tell us to do? The Bible teaches immersion. Immersion. You know what I mean by immersion? Take somebody all the way under. That's why they went down into the water. You understand that? And, and, and it, it, it's from a Greek word, baptizo, which means to submerge or to take under. And uh, so they went down into the water and he baptized the eunuch. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. Now, that'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? I bet he was glad in that hour that he had been faithful to wait on tables. See, in, in the things of God, you don't start out getting, getting you know, caught away in the Spirit and that kind of stuff if you're not willing to serve and wait on tables, you know. If you're not willing to usher and so on. But nonetheless... When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way, this eunuch went on his way rejoicing. I want to title this message today, H2O. H2O. Now does anybody know what H2O is the scientific symbol for? Water. Water. H2O. Scientific name for Water. H2O, we'll talk about the power of H2O, the power of water. Now, some time ago, a fellow minister asked me about water baptism. And, of course, I had much to say about it from my past experience. You know, when I was a kid, and I had made Jesus the Lord of my life in the Baptist church, then uh, I, I hooked up with a, a, a friend of mine was a member of uh, this other denomination. And uh, in talking with my friend and with his pastor and whatnot, the denomination they came out of, they or they were a part of, said that, you know, to be saved, you had to believe on Jesus all right, but you had to also be water baptized. And so I said to the pastor one day, I'm a young boy at the time, and I said to the pastor, I didn't know then about the Bible, what I know now, and I said to the pastor, I said, uh, I said, now I believe on the Lord Jesus, and I've never been water baptized. I know Jesus commanded it, and I want to be water baptized, but what if we were on our way to the baptismal tank, and we were hit by a truck, and I was killed? I'll never forget what the pastor said. He said, you'd fry in hell, son. I said, what? <laughs> because, you see, they believed you had to be water baptized in addition to believing on Jesus. And that made a mark on me, and I never, that never sat well with me. So I got into the Bible, and I made a many years study about water baptism. And, and is, it, is it necessary for sal- salvation, you see? And, and so... This minister asked me, he, he said, Pastor Terry, he said, what do you think about water baptism? So I began to give him the answer. And among other things, I told him, 
you know, from my years of study, I said, well, it's commanded by Jesus. And it's one of the foundational doctrines or ordinances of the church. We, we understand that. And then I took him to Hebrews 6. You can turn there real fast. Hebrews 6, verse 1. Hebrews 6, verse 1. says, leaving the uh, discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let's go on to maturity or perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. Now, every Christian ought to know these. These are the elementary, this is elementary school stuff here. Repentance from dead works. Faith toward God. The doctrine of what? Is that singular or plural? Plural. The laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. But notice, then I said to him, I said to the minister, then notice the doctrine of baptisms. Plural. And then I was quick to tell him there's three baptisms. Now we're aware of water baptism. And then, of course, there's the baptism in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. But there's actually one that's more important than the water baptism and the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And it's the baptism into the body of Christ. That's where somebody gets born again. Notice 1 Corinthians 12.13. 1 Corinthians 12.13. 1 Corinthians 12.13 says this. For by one spirit... We are all what? We are all baptized into one body. Whether Jews, Greeks, slaves are free. And we've all been made to drink into one spirit. And so, uh, the, the first baptism and the most important baptism is the one where a sinner gets saved and gets baptized into the body of Christ. But then also there's two other baptisms. There's water baptism. And then there's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so I went through that with this minister. And then I I was quick to point out to him. I said, you know, Jesus didn't baptize anyone with water. Jesus didn't baptize anyone with water. Remember that? Now, Jesus was baptized with water. You see, because he, because people have asked me, well, why was Jesus baptized with water? And he said, well, because John wasn't going to baptize him. He said, you need, John said, I need to be baptized by you. And he said, allow it to be, Jesus said to John, allow it to be so now. In so doing, we'll fulfill righteousness. And, And when you really study into Jesus being baptized, You'll see in a moment, when we get water baptized, we're identifying ourselves with Jesus. So Jesus was water baptized because he was identifying himself with us. You see. But Jesus, now he's the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. Remember John said, John the Baptist, I indeed baptize you with water, you know. But there's one coming after me, mightier than I, he'll, whose shoes I'm not worthy to... Shoestrings, I'm not worthy to lose. He said, uh, he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Remember that? Now, Jesus didn't baptize anyone with water. Now, you say, why didn't he baptize anyone with water? Well, simply because if he'd have baptized anyone with water, then he'd be a respecter of persons. Is that right? So he didn't baptize anyone with water. You see, he can baptize everybody with the Holy Ghost, but he couldn't baptize everybody with water, could he? So you see, he didn't baptize everybody with water because he's no respecter of persons. But much we could say about that. And, and so I pointed out to this minister. I said, well, you know, Jesus commanded water baptism, but he didn't baptize anyone with water himself. And then Paul, remember Paul made the statement. He said, I was sent not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. 
Remember Paul making that? How many remember Paul making that statement? You see, Paul was recounting uh, who he'd all water baptized, and he got to a point where he couldn't remember all who he'd water baptized. And finally, he said, "Well, he said, you know, I can't remember everybody <laughs> water baptized." And he said, "But I was not sent to baptize, but to preach the gospel." And then I went on to point out to this minister because he asked me about water baptism. Now, unless you want about a three-hour dissertation, don't ask me about water baptism because I can talk about three hours on it. I'm just giving you the highlights here this morning. Actually, I could go all day on it. Now, let me just say this. Last week, we had an inspirational service. I was climbing on chairs and everything else. Remember that? How many remember that? Very inspirational. But now this week, we're having an information. Now, if you missed last week's service, you missed half your life. I mean, we had the parting of the Red Sea in here almost, didn't we? Well, if you missed out, you don't know what I'm talking about, but you missed, you missed it. But this week now we're having, real loud say, say informational. This is informational. So you know you need them both. You need some inspiration, you need some information. Uh, so we're giving you some information here today about water baptism. Uh now, if you look at Acts 22, verse 16, I took this minister over there and I explained to him. Notice in Acts 22:16, and now why are you waiting? This was, remember Saul? Uh, he became, who did he become? He became Paul, right? And he was on the road to Damascus, bright light shone around him like noonday sun. He fell down, so on, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And so on and so forth. And who are you, Lord, Jesus, whom you're persecuting, and so on. You know, Jesus responded. And uh, so anyway, Paul goes into the city there, you know, and Ananias, a devout uh, uh, Christian, you know, comes to him after Jesus had appeared to Ananias and ministers to Saul, who would become Paul. And notice, uh, and, and Paul's recounting this, this, this in, instance here in Acts 22, verse 16. Ananias said to him, and now why are you waiting? Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now, this denomination that told me that I'd fry in hell if I wasn't water baptized, they put the emphasis on arise and be baptized, wash away your sins. They put the emphasis there. When actually the emphasis should be wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now, you see, if you put the emphasis about uh, the water washing away your sins, it doesn't line up with the rest of Scripture. But if you put the emphasis on the calling on the name of the Lord, washing away your sins, that does line up with the rest of Scripture. Because you see, when you call on the name of the Lord, you enact the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus goes into operation. Now the Lord said to me, and spoke to my heart when I was a young, young boy and studying along these lines and trying to figure out whether or not from the Bible you need to be water baptized to be saved. And uh, he, he, the Lord, I'll, I'll never forget, he spoke to my heart. He said, very firm, very firm. He said, never put water on the same level with my blood. Now, you know, water won't wash away sins. I said, water won't wash away sins. The, only the blood of Jesus will wash away sins. So, you see, if you put the emphasis on the water baptism... The water to wash away sins, it doesn't line up with the rest of the Bible. 
But if you put the emphasis on the calling on the name of the Lord, washing away sins, now that lines up with the rest of the Bible. And so, you know, and there was many other passages I, I took this pastor to, and we looked at them all and so on. And then I took him to Acts 2.38. Let's go there. Praise God. I can see you're having a big time here today. It's all right. This is good. You never know when you might have to talk to somebody about water baptism, you see. It's been some time since we've taught on this, so this is a good refresher here this morning. It's an ordinance of the church, a doctrine of the church. We need to understand some things about it. So Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, repent. This was like right around the day of Pentecost. He said to these people, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, that denomination that told me that I was going to fry in hell if I wasn't water baptized in addition to believing, they took me to this scripture. And, and the pastor of that denomination said, see, Peter said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and he said, see, the water bat- if you've got to be water baptized to be saved. got to be water baptized to be saved. But now when you look at that scripture... It doesn't say anything in there about believing, does it? Does it? It talks about repenting and being water baptized. But we just read a moment ago in Hebrews chapter 6, talks about what? Repentance from dead works and then what? Faith toward God and then what? Baptisms. Right? Remember that? Are you okay? Are you alright? So this verse here doesn't even mention believing. Just talks about repenting and being water baptized. Well, you know as well as I do, if you even have, if you even just read half the verses on salvation, you can see they're talking. They're talking about you got to believe on Jesus to be saved. Is that right? So you have, you can't just take one verse and build a doctrine on it. You get in trouble that way. So then in the process of time, as years went on and I studied, I went over to Acts, the 10th chapter, and the 43rd verse. Go over there, Acts 10.43. Acts 10.43, go over there. This same man, Peter, Apostle Peter, is speaking at Cornelius' house. Remember, Cornelius was a Gentile, and he had been seeking the Lord, and he was a, he, he, he was a good man, and he, he, he prayed every day, and he, he gave offerings to the poor and all of that, you know. And remember, an angel appeared to him and said, Cornelius, send for Peter, he'll tell you what you must do. Well, you know, this man was a good man. He was, he was praying every day, and he was, he was uh, 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 giving offerings and whatnot. And, and you mean I still have to do something else? Yeah, you see, your good works won't save you. You need to remember that. So Cornelius uh, was doing a lot of good works, but he still had to do something else. So he sent for Peter, and Peter came to his house in Acts 10.43. And Peter was preaching, and we'll pick up in verse 43, to him... To Jesus, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Now you have to put that together with verse 38, which we just read. And when you put Acts 2.38 together with Acts 10.43, you have repentance in there. You have believing in there. And you have water baptism in there. Now, 
right here in Acts 10.43, let's read on. And it will clarify about water baptism and the importance of it in salvation. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed, those were the Jews, you know, who came with Peter, who believed, were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Now, let's just stop right there. You have enough Bible knowledge to know that if somebody's filled with the Holy Spirit, really filled with the Holy Spirit, and speaking with tongues, they're saved, aren't they? Now, now some denominations will teach that you have to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and speak with tongues to be saved, but that's not true. Now, the Baptists... They, and I can speak about the Baptist because I, I, I was raised in a Baptist church and I still am a Baptist at heart. I'm just a Baptist that got filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues. So you see, I'm a Baptocostal. Amen. And, but you know, I was saved when I was in a Baptist church. And, and, and the Baptists that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they're just as saved as we charismatics are. Did you hear me? See, because the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not necessary for salvation to go to heaven. But you see, when I was in the Baptist church, I was saved on my way to heaven, but there was just something not, I was missing, there was, it was just, there was a deadness about it. There was just, there was, I mean, good people, wonderful, got a lot of people said, that's great, I love the Baptist, but for me it was just, there was something, there had to be more, well, there is more, there's the baptism in the Holy Ghost, you see. You got baptized in the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues and start walking in the gifts of the Spirit, just having a big old time, you see, praise God. But you see, the Baptist people without, without baptism and the Holy Ghost, they're still just saved as we are. See, because how many baptisms are there? Three. And that first one is the one that's the most important where you're baptized in, into the body of Christ. Now, the other two, water baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit, we need to do, have those, but those aren't a requirement for salvation. But the point I'm trying to make here is this is these people heard the word, they, they believed, and, 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 and these people got what I call the one-two punch. They got born again and baptized in the Holy Ghost, just one in, right after the other. Now, you have to understand this. You can't be baptized in the Holy Spirit unless you're first baptized into the body of Christ. Now, one day there was a, I, I was in a certain church and a certain uh, pastor was ministering and uh, uh, this fellow came in and it just dressed suit and tie, just looked just right up to the minute, had an had a expensive Bible, the whole bit, just right up to the minute. And the, the pastor was teaching on uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know. And this fellow, uh, the pastor made a call to get people baptized in the Holy Spirit and this fellow, among others, came up. And the pastor... Uh, tried to get this guy baptized in the Holy Ghost because he assumed that because he was carrying a Bible and he was dressed so well, he just assumed that he was already a Christian and saved. And, and, and the pastor just could, couldn't get the man filled with the Holy Ghost. So finally the pastor said to me, take him back in my office and, and, and locate him, minister to him. So we got back into the office and I prayed with it, tried to get him filled with the Holy Ghost, couldn't do it. 
So finally I just stopped and I said to the guy, I said, I said, sir, are you saved? And he said, what are you talking about? See, we get in trouble when we assume things. And I just assumed that, and so did the pastor, we just both assumed that this man was saved because he was carrying a Bible. You can't make that assumption. Carrying a Bible doesn't save you. It's getting a Bible in your heart. Jesus is the word made flesh. Receiving Jesus, right? Well, this guy wasn't saved. And so I explained the gospel message to him. He said, yeah, that's for me. And uh, he received Jesus. And then we prayed to get him filled with the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost came on him and he began to speak with tongues. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? So he got the one-two punch. But you've got to get saved before you can speak in tongues. You've got to get saved before you can get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Are you all out there today? Are you getting this? You've got to get baptized into the body of Christ. You've got to become a Christian. You've got to get saved first. And then you can be water baptized. Then you can be baptized in the Holy Ghost speaking tongues. Are you all okay? So, so this guy got the, just like these people, got, got the one-two punch. But here's the point. Back to the Bible here, Acts 10. Look at this. Verse 46. They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So are these people saved? Now are they saved because they're speaking in tongues? No, they're saved because they got born again. Now, why are they speaking in tongues? Because they got the one, two, they got the baptism in the Holy Ghost right after they got saved, and now they're speaking in tongues. But these people, are these people on their way to heaven? Yes, they are. Are you okay with that? Now, why did I go through all that? Watch this now, verse 47. This, this one set me free years ago. Then Peter, the same guy that said, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for remission of sins. And this denomination says you've got to be water baptized to be saved. Well, these people here are already saved. Right? And then look what happens. Then in verse 47, Peter says, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus... Then they ask him to stay a few days. Do you see that these people right here were already saved before they were water baptized, weren't they? Now that just set me just as free as can be years ago. And it sealed the deal for me that water baptism, it's important, but it's not necessary to be saved. Now, he baptized him in the name of the Lord. Now, let me take a real quick side journey. Say, how do you baptize people, Pastor? Jesus said, do it in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Is that right? And then now in the book of Acts, in the name of the Lord. You know, there are some denominations that will tell you that if you don't get baptized with the right formula saying in the name of Jesus, you're not saved. There's, some, there's one denomination I know of that unless you get baptized in the waters of their denomination, they'll tell you you're not saved. Isn't that sad? It's kind of scary, isn't it? Now, the formula I use is this. I say to the person, I ask them, have you, have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Yes, yeah, so they're saved. Okay, they're saved for their... See, if you baptize somebody before they get saved, all you got is a wet sinner on your hands. Is that right? There's probably a lot of them out there. So, I ask them, have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Yes. Okay. Public profession of the Lord Jesus. I say... By the power that's in the name of Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. See, so we cover all the bases. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? 
But I'm here today to tell you the formula. I mean, we need to, we need to do it in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. But I'm telling you, you've got to be saved before you go into water. Amen. Did you hear me? So I went through all that with this pastor. Oh, my goodness. I get in this teaching anointing and I lose track of time. I, get, I, get, go, I go through all that with this pastor. And you know what the pastor said to me? He said, this, he said, thanks, Pastor Terry, but none of that was in question. He said, I agree with everything you said. Here's what he said. He said, here's my question. Isn't that something when you answer somebody's question, they weren't even asking that question? I could have saved him hours of, about an hour of time. Or more. Here's my. He said, "It seems as though when someone got saved in the early church, there was an urgency for them to get water baptized." Did you ever notice that? Did you ever notice that? He said, "Why do you think that that was?" And you know what? Actually, all the study that I've done on the water baptism—it's good. I'm glad I've done it. I'm glad I have that knowledge. But sometimes, have you ever? You couldn't see the forest for the trees. How many ever been? You can't see the forest for the trees. And really, the, the, the thing about water baptism, and you, you get denominations fighting over this and fighting and squabbling about you know, whether it's necessary for salvation and all that. But you know what the real point of water baptism is? It, it, it's this. It's this. When people got saved in the New Testament, as quickly as possible, they wanted to identify themselves with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you hear what I just said? They wanted to, as fast as possible, they wanted to identify themselves with Jesus. That's what water baptism is all about. It's, it, water baptism, if you really get a true perspective from the Bible, water baptism doesn't, doesn't help with your salvation. It doesn't complete your salvation. You're already saved before you go into the water. So, so, to that pastor that told me I was going to fry in hell if I had got hit by a truck and, and, and before I got to the waters of baptism, he was wrong. And I still love him, but he was wrong. Did you hear me? If I had got hit by a truck, but I went to heaven. Why? Because I had faith in Jesus, you see. You understand what I'm saying? You know, but, but here's the thing. The point of water baptism is, is that the reason that they went, they were so urgent about getting water baptized was because it, it, it is a powerful way. Jesus commanded, it's a powerful way to identify yourself with the gospel of Christ. It's a way to let the whole world know that, hey, I'm representing, I'm, I'm identifying myself with Jesus. Does anybody know what the gospel is? Now, I'm, I'm, out of, I'm, I'm not out of time, but I'm, I'm running along here, so let me just speed this up. The gospel in 1 Corinthians, the gospel is what? The death? The burial and, is that right? And, and in Romans, you can see that when someone is water baptized, and, and you do it according to the Bible, the person's standing in the water here, right? And when you take them down, that represents his, his death. When you hold them under the water for just those few seconds, if you hold them under and ain't too long, they're liable to... <laughs> So you don't want to hold them under there too long. But what does that represent while they're under the water? Burial. And then when you bring them back up, that represents his, his resurrection. So why did those early Christians want to get water baptized so fast? 
It wasn't a matter of, well, water baptize me so I can be sure that it completes the salvation formula. No, they're already saved before they get water baptized. It's that I want to let everybody know that I'm, that I'm identifying myself with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you know that in, in, in many of the countries where, where Christians are, 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 are severely persecuted, did you know that, that when they get water, it's not until they get water baptized that their family will kick them out or, or they'll, they'll be put to death or whatever, and it's because that water baptism is telling everybody that I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, you see. That's what, that's what the water baptism is really all about. You know, Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. Is that right? He said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father. Didn't he say that? And didn't, didn't Paul make the statement, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Now, now, with that in mind, look at Mark 16, 16. I'm just going to go on a few more minutes, but I trust this is being beneficial to you. Go to Mark 16, 16. This verse used to always give me trouble. This verse used to always give me trouble. Jesus said this, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Now, that... that Scripture always gave me trouble because if you just if you just read it, just look at it. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. It, it looks as though if you, if you just take this one verse that baptism, water baptism, is is required to complete the salvation formula, doesn't it? Believing plus water baptism equals salvation. But you see, if you look at this scripture from the perspective that water baptism completes salvation, it contradicts so many other scriptures that it's not even funny. Okay? So are you saying that Jesus was contradictory? No, I'm saying the way I was looking at it was causing contradiction. It was my perspective. If we look at this verse from the standpoint that believing plus water baptism equals salvation, you've got con- I can give you dozens of scriptures that it contradicts. But if you look, and this is where I got free on this scripture, if you look at this scripture the way we should look at it, from the position that that water baptism is public identification with Jesus, then it lines up with all the other scriptures. How do you get saved? You get saved by repenting of your sins and believing on Jesus. Is that right? Amen. Is that correct? But then also, too, now that's where you get saved, but, but didn't it, what does the Bible say in Romans 10, 9, that if we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that God's raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. So, so there's a group of people over in the book of John the gospel according to John, they believed on Jesus, but they would not confess him. They weren't saved. Why? Because they really, they were ashamed of him. Huh? So, so if a person won't get water baptized, I question, I'm not going to get water baptized. What are they really saying? They're really telling me they're not saved because they're ashamed of him. See, if you're really saved, water baptism is something you're going to want to do real quick. Does it help complete the salvation formula? 
No, but what does it do? It tells everybody that, hey, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, but I want to I, I identify myself with what? The death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Amen? You okay? Romans 4.11, go there in the New Living Translation. Come on, folks, let's, 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 let's knock this out here, just a few more things. This is what you really need, I'm telling you. You need teaching like this. You need things like this from time to time. Amen? It, now, this may not be the most jumping around, me jumping over chairs, but, but you, you, know, you don't want to have that every week. You don't, you know? See, as a pastor, I'm a dietitian. I've got to give you... See, last week we had a banana split. Now, how many of you, you like banana splits all the time? I would. But you get fat and malnourished. Is that right? So today we got some meat and spinach for you. A lot of times people go, I don't like meat and spinach. Well, but that's the stuff that will really help you. Is that right? Look at this. Romans 4.11 and verse 12 in the New Living Translation will be up on the screen. See, they had a big argument back in the early church about circumcision. And they, there were some people rose up and said, well, you've got to be circumcised in addition to your faith to be saved. Okay? And, and, and so they had a council meeting. The church met and so on and so forth. And, and then the Apostle Paul is speaking on it here. Look at Romans 4.11. He said, circumcision was a what? Was a sign that Abraham really or already had what? Faith. And that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous. Even before he was what? circumcised see God had accepted him before even before he was circumcised so Abraham is a spiritual father of those who have faith but have not been circumcised they are counted as righteous because of their what faith and Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised but only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised now really we could take this and apply it to water baptism because there's some that say you've got to be water baptized to be saved. But water, let's go through these verses real quickly again. Water baptism is a what? Is a, it's a sign that Abraham, we, just for the sake of argument here, baptism is a sign that Abraham already had what? Already had faith. And that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous even before he had been baptized. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith but have not been baptized. They are counted as righteous because of their faith. Do you okay? You see what I'm doing here? Same principle. Doesn't matter what you know, if it's water baptism or circumcision. And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised, but only if so. Watch this. Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been baptized. We could say, but only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. What is that saying? That you could be water baptized, but if you didn't have faith in Jesus before you were water baptized, it doesn't do you any good. You just got a wet sinner. You okay? Now let's close here. Real quickly, go to go to First Peter three twenty one. Quickly, let's just for the sake of time read this. Read this in well, real quickly in the NIV, and then we'll read it in the Amplified. This water, talking about the flood of Noah's day. This is First Peter three twenty one NIV. Real loud, say symbolizes. See, it symbolizes baptism. That now saves you also, you've got to be careful now, not the removal of the dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, the true salvation is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ when we place our faith in Him. 
But why, what's it really saying here? That when you get water baptized, it's, it's the answering of a good conscience toward the Lord. If you've never been water baptized, you can't have a good conscience before the Lord because he said and commanded to be water baptized. Look at this verse in the Amplified Bible. Baptism, which is a figure or a symbol of their deliverance, does now also save you from inward questionings and fears. Not by the removing of outward body filth, bathing, but by providing you with the answer of a good and clear conscience, inward cleanness and peace before God. Watch this. Because you are demonstrating what you believe to be yours. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, when you get water baptized, you, why, why, did people, why did people rush and run to get water baptized in the, in, in, in the New Testament days? Because they were already saved, but they said, you know what, I, I, I'm willing to, I want to show everybody that, I'm, that I've made my decision for Jesus Christ. And when they did, a lot of them got kicked out of their family. But it was that water baptism that, that did it. Now then, uh, uh, it, it didn't save them, but it showed to everybody that, hey, I'm identifying with Jesus. Everybody okay? You all all right? Did you, did you get that? Okay. Now then, the last thing I want to say to you, and then we'll close, is should I be water baptized again? Should I be water baptized again? Look at Acts, Acts 19, verse 1. I have to get this in, because the Lord wants this in, then, then we'll, we'll go home. Acts 19, 1. It happened... Well, and this is New King James. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when or since you believed? He's talking about the baptism in the Holy Ghost there. So they said to him, We have not, not so much as heard where there is a Holy Spirit. Isn't it good to know to get to saved you don't have to know too much? Is that right? And he said to them, Into what then have you been baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, Indeed, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. They spoke with tongues and prophesied. These people got baptized twice, didn't they? They got baptized under John's baptism, and then they got baptized here by Paul. Now, why did they get baptized the second time? Well, it's very simple if you think about it. When John was preaching, John the Baptist, had Jesus died and been raised from the dead yet? No. So these were believers. There were 12 of them. They were believers. They were believing on Jesus. Okay. They got water baptized and, by John, and then they went their way. And you know news didn't travel as fast back then as it does now. And in the process of time, what happened? Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and raised from the dead. Is that right? So now these guys were saved all right. They were Old Testament saints, but this is a unique group of people here. But it, it teaches us a lesson. They, were, they, 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 they had been water baptized before they were born again. Is that right? They'd been water baptized before they were born again. Right? And, and in the process, as Jesus was raised from the dead because they were believers, they got born again, didn't they? Didn't they? So they got baptized before... They were born again. And Paul says, let's baptize you since you've been born again, is what he's saying. And he baptized them, and then they got baptized with the Holy Ghost. Why did I say all that? Because there may be some people here today that you may have been water baptized when you were a child. Maybe you were sprinkled. Did you know you don't find infant baptism in Scripture? You don't find it in there. It's not there. You can't find it. If little babies die under what I call the age of accountability, they go to heaven. They're covered. Amen? 
But, but what you do find in there is, is Christian baptism for Christians, you see. But a lot of times people got water baptized when they were a child or they got baptized in water because they were part of a church. And then they come to find out, you know what, I was a member of the church, but I wasn't saved. How many of you know being a member of the church doesn't save you? And they say, you know, I was water baptized, but I wasn't saved at the time. And then they hear me teach and they say, by golly, I need to be water baptized. Because I was water baptized before, before I got saved. Should you get water baptized again? What did the Bible tell us? Yeah. But now, is that going to save you getting water baptized again? No, it's just you're already, you got baptized before you were saved. Now you got saved in the process of time. Now go ahead and get water baptized. So I want to encourage anybody here today, if you've never been water baptized... All right, you need to be. Will it save you? No. But if you don't get water baptized, you can't have a good conscience toward the Lord. And what you're really saying, if you get right down to it, it's bold, but it's true, is that I'm ashamed of your death, burial, and resurrection. So if you refuse to be water baptized, you've got to wonder, are you really even saved? But if you've never been water baptized, you need to, you need to be. Amen? Are you with me? So you can sign up on your way out today. Get, get water baptized. We're going to do it next Sunday, 3 p.m. at the Holzer's house. Sign up and come and get in on it, and we'll be, it'd be an honor for me to, to baptize you. Did you get anything out of this today? Well, stand with me if you would. Praise God. Father, I trust that as we taught this message today,